And we're back. Welcome to No Direction, the Pathfinder news, reviews, and interviews podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza. And today, and, and today we have Ron Lundin, uh, uh, Paizo's own Ron Lundin, uh, and, and the, the network's own as well, uh, joining us uh, to talk about... Uh, how everything is switching to fifth edition. No, that's not true. We, we already we don't know we already did that. that <laughs> oh, was, we did that, that joke. Was, we did that joke. Yeah. April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> but what we do want to talk about is uh, this this sensation abomination vault that is getting like the royal treatment uh, and then some by Paizo, um, including a fifth edition conversion and a, a special edition. Like, please just tell us what is going on with abomination vaults. It is everywhere. It is. This is this is awesome. So the Abomination <laughs> Vault is, I mean, it's fantastic. It, it it's our uh, our first real foray into a three volume adventure path. That was how we did it right when we when we came out, and that was going to be very exciting. We we'd had some success with three volume adventure paths in Starfinder. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, maybe maybe they can work for Pathfinder. There was a little more reluctance, I think, to give it a try on the Pathfinder side because okay. the six volume one through 20, one through 17 in first edition, 17 ish, then one through 20 in second edition had done us really well. And might it make people think they were only getting half of a campaign or make us think that we were afraid of a high level in our own game or, you know, what might people think? Um, but it sort of calmed everybody down. I said, no, I think this will work. Uh, and what we could do is the same sort of uh, trickery that Starfinder did, which is to sure. do a Three fine, three part low level immediately followed by a three part high level. That one could go into the other if you wanted six, and maybe we, if six, if cutting down to three in fact was a terrible idea, we kind of kept all six with Fists of the Ruby Phoenix. Mm. But it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible idea. It did, it did really, really well. Uh, I think a lot of that had to do with just the the very approachable nature of it. Here, here is a town with a great big dungeon outside of it. Yes, go inside and kick down doors and wreck up the dungeon. Uh, yeah. but because, I was going to say, it's I'm, very, very like Temple of Elemental Evil-esque. It is. Yeah. With a little bit of a little homlet outside. Mm-hmm. One of the things that made Temple of Elemental Evil, I think, very approachable is the fact that there are a lot of sort of things going on in the dungeon and a lot of sort of subplots that weave through. We wanted to make sure we leaned hard into that. We didn't want to give a string of fights what we wanted to do was tell a story and we wanted to have side quests that you could go on that were sometimes about helping people and a lot of reasons to come into and out of the dungeon, make the town really alive and make people that are there matter. And that really resonated, really resonated with the fans and the Abomination Vaults uh, three-part adventure path did it really, really well. Uh, and so well, in fact, that when we were sitting thinking about, all right, well, how, how might we give us one of our second edition adventure paths the same sort of treatment we did for rise of the rune lords in first edition for uh curse of the crimson throne in first edition like we were doing with kingmaker mm-hmm. for, for the update for second edition what's a what's a real evergreen kind of product okay. and i had i'd said all along i think that abomination vaults will be an evergreen kind of product in fact i have i don't have a lot of leverage into uh necessarily sales or how many volumes of something we print or produce, but in every way that I could, I said, let's not go nuts on printing a lot of this three volume adventure path, because if it doesn't succeed, we won't be out very much product sitting in our warehouse. And if it does succeed, 
will almost immediately flip it to a compilation that then is an evergreen product that game stores can keep in their stores all the time. It's the very approachable way to get into the into the game. And as soon as we started talking about approachable way into the game, there were what ties do we make to the beginner box, which mm -hmm. is sort of our evergreen product to bring people in there. Um, the Trouble in Atari, Troubles in Atari Adventure, which is about expanding the beginner box a little bit. So there's whole part of the world that we'd started to explore to make sort of our evergreen location the new Sandpoint, I guess you might say, of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Hmm. Uh, the Abomination Vaults really, really fed into that. And then all the way through the development, I wanted to make it very clear in my mind, all right, what's, what's going on in each level and how do those chapters divide up? And in my mind, I was, what I was doing was designing not three standalone stories, but 10 levels beginning to end with a couple of gates in them. They made okay. it a little hard to go from, you know, one in yes. between a couple of the points. Yeah, the, the little a couple speed bumps to make sure that you've caught up with the the narrative and leveling and gear yep. and all that stuff. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and then I think that I'd be. I mean, I absolutely have to acknowledge that we got three absolutely stellar authors to do this. So. Well, at least two. I must admit that I am <laughs> one of those three. So full disclosure, I wrote part two out of three of the adventure uh, path of the Venetian Vault. This part specifically titled "Hand of the Devil." Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I. I just really quick. I I feel um, honored. Uh, intimidated to to have an adventure sitting sandwiched between James Jacobs at part one, who has an amazing intro. The whole thing is just like chock full of all of these interesting, intricate little stories and how everyone's like involved with each other. And then Stephen Randy McFarlane on the other side with like the big finish ending that is like grandiose and, and big things are happening. And I have like the sandbox part in the middle. It's like, oh, here's the part of the dungeon that no one's really visited for a long time and cares about. Uh, and, and that stuff is happening. And so there's like storylines there that are interwoven within those people, but it was very much being like, I am, <laughs> I am surrounded on either side by giants and I am a gnome. <laughs> Now, here's here's why this middle here's why your middle part matters and here's why you should be very very proud of it because the middle part is where the narrative arc would sag right because the first part is we make you care about the town right. and what's going on and Stephen Randy McFarland is a master of creating intricate dungeons and that mm -hmm. sort of story so we've got the first part where you're going to care a lot about the town mm -hmm. and we've got this third part where it's mostly going to be about the dungeon how do you get people to care about the middle? How do you get people to bridge it? You have to have compelling characters, rivalries with each other within the same sort of section of levels. Right. So people can go back to the town a little bit less because they're kind of getting their own light. I mean, it's it's really important. It's kind of critical yeah. from a narrative perspective to have that bridge. Right. And, and you know, I mean, you knocked it out of the park. It was great. <laughs> well, I kind of cheated. Uh, spoiler alerts. Uh, if, if you're going to play this, just skip ahead like 30 seconds. Um, I decided to include a rock band because I thought that was something that'll get enough attention that people will be like, well, maybe this is an okay part. Um. Yep. yep. And that's, uh, I mean, that's, and that's just one of the, the different web of people, somebody who hates somebody else and wants to wrestle them. And when you set up a wrestling between these two people and, you know, mm -hmm. anyway, it's just, it's fun. It's, it's okay. a lot of fun. Cool. So yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, Ron, you have what sounds like a very strong narrative, you know, a very strong, great campaign, you know, start to finish, very accessible 
uh, very classic in feel, but not necessarily like it, it you know, it, it's, it's up to speed with, with what Paizo does. You get mm -hmm. a Paizo adventure, you get an adventure path. There, there's a um, you know, kind of a Paizo seal of quality that comes with, it's part of the adventure path line. So it makes a lot of sense why this becomes a compilation, right? It's a kind of exciting 2E uh, AP that can kind of cover all quadrants, you know, every type of player. But how do you make that jump from let's compile it, you know, make a nice hardcover to now let's also put it in 5E? Yeah, this is the, uh, yeah. I mean, there, it, it, is, it is perhaps, you know, a, a little bit spoilery to mention that in this dungeon, there are dragons. I mean, at least two of them, and so the uh, so right there, we've already got the the Dungeons and Dragons name. Why not go ahead and I mean, uh, make those it are the primary components of any five E <laughs> right. product? Obviously, <laughs> actually, it's surprisingly it's not. They don't do a lot of dungeons of their own. They don't have a lot of dungeon products. They do dungeon updates, right? They've got a product, Tales of the Yawning Portal, which is taking some older dungeons and then uh putting them in with the the current set of the rules right but they don't they don't have a mega dungeon type of thing i guess you know the water deep has under mountain i mean there's there's sure. this anyway so we thought there was not only a place for this within what people are looking to play but we thought it made a great opportunity for us to show off here's what storytelling paizo can do in something cool. that is going to be very approachable and familiar to you you're kicking mm -hmm. down doors and you're fighting monsters, but we're able to put the spin on it of all these side quests and interesting people and a fun narrative. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, some neat rules twists that you might not have seen before in your fifth edition games. So, yeah. so we, we thought that would be a really good opportunity to, to bring that forward into the fifth edition of the game. Okay. Very cool. Um, question. Whose idea, who, whose big idea was it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to dig up a, a, a Paizo product, a Pathfinder, a, you know, a natively a Pathfinder product and port it into a fifth edition product. I, I think ultimately it was Eric Mona. Okay. I'm not sure, but here's, okay. here's where the seed got planted. Sure. The, when we were doing the Kingmaker crowdfunded campaign, right. one, one of the things that we did in the Kingmaker crowdfunded campaign is in addition to updating the whole thing to Pathfinder second edition, we're doing two bestiaries. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just the monsters and the traps, I think. It's nothing else. Uh, but it's the Pathfinder first edition. So you can go ahead and kind of oh, have two books open at the same time. Mm -hmm. The Pathfinder second edition, the first edition to, to run it in Pathfinder first edition. And a fifth edition bestiary where you've got that kind of open at the same time. And that sure. required, we take a lot of monsters that we have that aren't in the fifth edition SRD mm -hmm. um, and 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 create stats for those. Um yeah. And we worked hard with people to do that. So we've okay. got Linorms and we've got Shones and we've got Cothuges and our, you know, Reef Claw, our crazy monsters. And we have fifth edition stats for a lot of those. And I remember thinking, and it could have been, it was probably after Eric came up with a great idea, kind of going through this Kingmaker fifth edition best year and go, well, I mean, this is a lot of the work done already for an Abomination Vaults <laughs> conversion, right? Yeah, right. Because I got a Shone, you got to fight. We already did the stats right here. I've got a, <laughs> you know, the Cothuge, you got to fight. We already got the stats right here. Sure. Um, and uh, and then my biggest mistake was, yeah, probably isn't going to be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, except it was hard. <laughs> except it was, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It seems like something that would be very difficult. Um. One question for you then is who did the conversion? Was that you? Did you hire a freelancer? Oh, no. How did that function? No, 
Oh, we hired David N. Ross, who Ooh, was good choice. stellar. I mean, I, yeah. I had the, the privilege of working with David N. Ross on several different fifth edition products mm-hmm. for freelance. We worked together very closely and with Luis as well on Planet Apocalypse, which was nominated for an Emmy. So I feel like that was, you know, a really good product for us to, to, to worked on, get to know each other on. So when it was a matter of converting this adventure path over, uh, I asked him if he'd be available. He was. Huh. And and he did a fantastic job. And let me and 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 I That's don't good. just mean he took the rules and then updated how they needed to be. Okay. This is a guy that understands how fifth edition works. Like, for example, one of the first things he came to me to say was, I understand how you've got every level of this built out for one character level. Right. Yes. Fifth, fifth edition speeds through level one really fast. Mm. As written, you have way too many encounters on the top level of the dungeon, it's, play, it's just exactly right to get Pathfinder second edition players from first level to second level. It's way, way too many for, for, fifth, edition. for fifth edition. Gotcha. Here's, here's how I would suggest consolidating these. So not only did he pose the situation, which I hadn't really thought about, he right. posed solutions, right? I That's would good. compile these two together. Um, when these two characters are talking about this monster, the monster's dead. So you come across, you know, it's no, it, you know, you don't have to worry about Yet another mm. fight. In addition to all of the detailed, how much treasure does fifth edition give out? What the number of enemies in yeah. a encounter is all different in fifth edition. Uh, he did he did a fantastic job keeping all that in mind, and all the way through, even when you get to the very end, like the very bottom of the tenth level of the dungeon, he's e- just as careful there about okay, what do you face, and how will it work for a party of this size? Gotcha. And it was just so thoughtfully done. Uh, David, he did a great job. Well, I know I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, one thing that has, I'm just going to bring this up right now, that has a, a lot of people talking is the cover art that they used. I'm just going to put it on the screen here for our Twitch audience. Um, it is a very different. It's very different stylistically than most Pathfinder art. It's a little more photorealistic uh, with like dramatic lighting. I almost feel like this is going to be a movie called The Abomination Vaults um, with, you know, Belcora's <laughs> ghosts like screaming in the background. It, it is well, very I, floating I, heads. I, I, well, I can't say anything about any future movie plans of <laughs> for The Abomination Vaults. Well, I was trying to trick you into oh, that. Yeah, so. no. um, yeah, that's the final art. It, okay. it, is, oh, okay. it is fundamentally like... The Kingmaker cover in that it's an array of okay. villains that right. you would face. Uh, it's just Kingmaker being outside. It's an exterior shot. So you can see the land behind. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of natural lighting. This is a dungeon adventure. So it's an interior shot with some gloomy focused lighting and so sure. on and things like that. It's it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, the uh, the art in particular, I think, is does a really good job of showcasing not only you know, some of the villains, but the mm-hmm. real variety of villains that you're going to yeah. come into, uh, uh, come into contact with. Oh yeah. That, that Sagathi is really yeah, intimidating. Gross. <laughs> gross. We're monster. It's yeah. It's very much like, here's a gross monster. There are gross monsters. It's the abomination vaults. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, okay. So, uh, someone probably Eric Mona decided you're going to do fifth edition. You got it. David and Ross converting the whole thing. Uh, when is when is this going to be out? I don't know that that's been talked about. I, November, I believe. November, November okay, 2022. So yeah. In November, I can get my hands on it and see uh, what I look like. Actually, uh, our own uh, Dustin Knight in chat said that I'm finally a fifth edition author. <laughs> I don't know if that tracks the same way. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, you are a fifth edition author now. That's uh, uh, I just kind of slid into it on accident. Um, <laughs> but that's a really interesting thing to think about. Is like I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sidebar for a second here. The path of your work that you give it up to a publisher and they're gonna do something with it. And I know uh, other authors I've talked to have been like, oh, I created this uh, feat or this. Um, uh, archetype or this whatever it is monster that I thought was for this one book and then they held on to it and all of a sudden it's in another book that I didn't even know I was writing for and there's my name on the author list because uh, they used my stuff and it's kind of interesting because it's like okay well, that's porting from Pathfinder to Pathfinder but it's sort of odd it's like wait I'm, I'm getting ported to 5e that's that's so strange <laughs> um one question I do have to ask though with the hardcover treatment uh, and I, I believe even uh, with the special edition, there were some tweaks made to the adventure, little changes, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, a lot of the changes in the compiled second edition uh, were right, yes. sort of, yeah, quality of life changes that, okay. that people thought. You know, or early on, you see a picture of the main villain um, back when she was alive, not the <laughs> scary ghostly version. Right. And people were like, um, we actually, I don't have anything to show my players. Yeah, what does that look like? except for the scary ghost version. So, right, all right, well, we, we commissioned that art. Um, some of the other things that were, uh, some of the other pieces that we, we had a couple of tweaks to the illustration. There's one encounter really early on that was uh, too lethal for what it was intended to be. The monster is built to be a little bit too lethal. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And so we I think scaled that one on back. level four? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, 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 this is the one right on level two. I oh. oh, I thought it was the level four one. There's a there's a one on the fourth floor that is that is also super bad. deadly. Also yeah. bad. So bad. Um, so we made some tweaks like that. There were some places where the maps didn't quite line up. I mean, where it said it was going to down to this room, but that room wasn't in the right place. I mean, we we oh, did I, I think a really good job of aligning everything the first time around. But there's a uh, we did a little bit better we had the okay. opportunity to go back and do better i don't think anybody who is posting in the forum or the gm chats like you know this confuses me you know <laughs> what did you guys do about that well i did x i did y i did z i mean i don't yeah. know that anybody knew i was watching and oh a couple people have found this to be confusing i i'd better clarify it sure. so sure. Uh, we do have a couple questions from chat both from dustin knight uh, the first one uh, that I'm going to read is, was any content in the 5e version taken from your Abomination Vaults GM guide on Pathfinder Infinite? Uh, no. Uh, okay. No, that would that would be skeevy. I mean, the, <laughs> Ab <laughs> the, the Abomination Vaults GM's guide is entirely a personal product. Understood. Um, and what I, what I tried to do was make sure that in putting that together, I was putting myself in the mind of, all right, what is a... You know, some because I'm also running the campaign, yeah, right? What what would make it useful for me in running it? So right. on an entirely separate computer, separately from work hours, let me put this thing together. Um, so the uh, the one of the things that would be, for example, I think quality of life improvement that we didn't have space for was a tracker to track all of the individual side quests. Mm -hmm that was really useful. I put it in, I wanted it as a GM. So I put it in the GM's guide, but sure. even though I thought about that kind of thing for the, the compilation and the five, like, that's a page and a half, almost two pages. True. That's, it is so hard to find a whole extra spread of stuff. I mean, do I cut out art? Do I cut out content? Well, I, Con that was too hard to do. It is interesting that you mentioned that because that goes to where my question is. So 
you have these three bits. There maybe is stuff that authors wrote that's really juicy that you couldn't use. But now that you're shifting things around and making space and, you know, you got a hardcover book, so you might be able to add a few extra pages in there. And you're also <laughs> porting it to fifth edition. You know what I'm going to ask you. Yep, go ahead, go ahead. Did you put back the flooding of the dungeon? There was not enough room to put back Vanessa. the flooding of the dungeon. <laughs> and there goes Vanessa. <laughs> Can't believe this. All the freaking... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm right. sorry. I just That's I needed okay. a minute. I needed a moment. That's all right. That's all right. That's uh, that all right. That is okay. Uh, do you mind if I tell them what it is? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So for those of you listening, and again, if you're playing, uh, like, mute it for 30 seconds. It won't be that much. Uh, and if you're listening to this, fast forward 30 seconds from now. So if you're playing Hand of the Devil, there is a spot on the map where uh, there is a big lake in one floor. And if you look at the floor below it, there is also a room full of lava. Now, if you count out squares, you will notice that the big lake sits on top of the room full of lava. And there is a, that's right, right there. And there is a hundred percent, I don't know, a page and a half of math and rules and notes um, that got cut. That is my explanation of what to do if the players want to tunnel through the bottom of the lake to flood the lake into the lava room, permanently changing the structure of the dungeon and who lives there and who's doing what. And it is um, it is extensive. And let me tell you, you <laughs> don't want to be in a room full of superheated steam after a bunch of water hits lava. But uh, I did a stupid ton of research on it and got all of the aquadynamics, I think, pretty much right. Um, and have a spreadsheet to prove it. And I was a little sad that it was cut, but I totally understand that that sort of extravagance might get uh, cut from an adventure. So um, I'm, now that you know, I'm sure you can figure yeah. it out on your own. We have we have a lot that we expect our GMs to do, and maybe cubic flow calculations on top of that might be a little, <laughs> I mean, just a little bit too much. But. Just look at, just, you know what? Look at like level appropriate damage and figure that out. That's probably fine. It's it's not enough. I'll tell you that because I did the calculations. It is not enough damage. Um, but yeah, it's um, I did. I figured out the the mass of the water, like the volume rather of the water, based on like the average depths and how big it was. A whole thing. And then the the force it would push you depending yes. on where you were because the, there's a. <laughs> Because the room coming into the room is an angle. So the uh -huh. force that it pushes changes based yeah. on the volume of the water yes. and the steam as it comes into the flat. I mean, that's well, and I also read it so that it's a small opening at first. So you like have a chance to get away because you can't get sucked through a small opening, right? And only so much water can go through a small opening, but eventually that water is going to erode that hole and make it larger and you will not be able to escape. So you have like, I don't know, two or three rounds to swim out of that pool before you get sucked through and you're rolling up a new character, probably. Um. <laughs> and that pool is also filled with monsters. And so what yes. does... What, what, you know, what, how much does this type of monster block a hole of this size with this amount of pressure behind it? I mean, there's a lot of computations that go in there. <laughs> uh, folks are asking if I can release it on Pathfinder Infinite. I have asked. Uh, Paizo yes. owns Wait. those oh, words. Oh, we own the words. Yeah. Paizo owns own the, the words. words. I, I can tell you about it because this is an interview and Ron said it was fine and he works for Paizo. Uh, but until right. Paizo relinquishes the words or decides to publish it themselves that it is theirs. I gave it to them. I am just really happy to have a dungeon that changes and it has been Vanessa, far more than could, 30 seconds. 
you could write up a set of rules for this exact kind of scenario, just generically for GMs to use. <laughs> if Seriously. you happen to have a pool of water that's about this big, and it happens to be above a spherical just, room. Just give like four or five different examples. <laughs> With a ramp right. in it. See, that would be, see, now Pathfinder is going to be what would happen if the ramp went down into the room, if the ramp went up, if the ramp, I mean, all kinds of different I don't uh, know what your dungeon looks like. I have no idea. <laughs> that that sounds like a very, like, video game solution to a puzzle, like, yeah. you, which is great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that means I can definitely add it in my home game when, when the time comes. Yep. You should. Uh, Ron, question for you. So, the AP volumes come with a lot of back matter. Uh, there are there's a deity article for Nimbaloth, I believe, um, and monsters and new items and so on and so forth. How much of that is making it into the compilation first and foremost, and then how much of that is then also getting ported to Five E, if if at all? Ah, uh, good question. Uh, the the back matters that we have is a uh, a gazetteer of the town of otari mm -hmm. that made it in uh we've got a uh, sort of an ecology article about will-o-wisps which did not make it into the compilation uh there were in the back of that there were a few alternate abilities alternate types of will-o-wisps mm. at least one of which is in the adventure so i actually oh, cool. copied over all of the necessary stuff for you to run that monster um a uh, spell void wisp i think it's called in in as as just a, so it looks like a uh, custom monster when in fact it was pulled from the willows article uh the ghosts article same thing the ghosts article didn't make it but a couple places where we use those types of abilities it's got everything you need in the uh uh in the the monster itself um and then we've got the article about Nimbaloth, the the uh evil deity of swamps and ghosts and despair that did make it in um so, and then I feel like I'm missing one to the, uh, but the upshot is, and they didn't both, they didn't get into the, the back, the way we've got, the way we have it designed. And I think it's a little more approachable this way. Oh, there's a flesh warping article as well. We didn't port that over. Um, the, uh, the way that we've got the new adventure structured is that there's a camp, when you open up the hardcover book, there's a campaign introduction. Hmm. Then there's the gazetteer of the town of Otari. Smart. Then the 10 levels of the dungeon uh, and then the Nimbaloth article and then the toolbox with all the new monsters and rules and stuff that you would need all, all at the end. So the, the, the very short answer to your question that I answered in a very long-winded way was two, <laughs> two articles made it. <laughs> um, and in the 5e version, we're definitely, and the 5e version, not quite done yet. Mm, okay. Yep. But we are definitely keeping the town of Otari because that's, it's an important base. Sure. But I don't think we're going to have the Nimbaloth article. I don't think we're going to have room because we need to include so many stat blocks. Oh right, yeah. Into the like we don't need to we 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 don't need to tell a Pathfinder Second Edition GM what is a, you know a Grothlet flesh warp and you know we but for Five E we have to give us whole stat block for those and a little bit of description about what they even are and when you do that for fifty or sixty monsters. Uh, that takes up a, a huge chunk of space. And so there just wasn't the room, even after blowing out the page count a little bit, there just wasn't any room. So that's an interesting question then. Um, if, if I'm a fifth edition player, um, hold on, let me get in that headspace. If I'm a fifth edition player and I'm reading about this world and I'm trying to make this work, do I use like 
what what deities do I use if I'm a cleric or a paladin? Like how do I how do I make the how do I make the the elements of the world of Galarian that are game rule specific to Pathfinder fit into fifth edition if there's no guidance for that? There we give you little hints along the way. One of the things that's really useful about this is we don't need to do a whole lot of deity conversion. Nimbaloth is the is an evil deity that is sort of, you know, it just invented in either case. We do set everything in Galarian. We mm-hmm. we have mentions of, you know, people who are who might be uh Chilaxian or the right. city of Absalom is right over there. That's a big that, that's a big part of the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't necessarily need to worry about whether you're using if you're a follower of Serenre, are you actually a follower of, uh, you know, the, the, you know, what type of paladin order do you take or what sort of okay. cleric domains do you get? That's all player stuff. We just okay. say the town has a temple of Serenre in it and there's some other gods. And we might have gone in to say Serenre, comma, goddess of light and life. Um, I do remember <laughs> one, one place in particular, we clarify that Ac- there's a lot of uh, creatures that speak Aklo. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, we clarify that that is a dialect of deep speech or something like that to be able to say, oh, fifth edition players don't know Aklo, but they know deep speech. Oh, I got it, yeah. Um, which is functionally the same. It's what evil monsters speak. So uh, uh, so we try Dustin, to make things that way. <laughs> Dustin Knight in chat says, uh, assume all the five E gods are Imperial Lords and or Arc Fiends. Uh, <laughs> and there you go. Pretty good idea. Um, we have a, another question. Will there be fifth edition virtual tabletop support? Oh gosh, I don't know. I don't even know if the, <laughs> I don't know. I barely know anything about virtual tabletop support for second edition. That's uh um again. I, I think isn't the thing usually that Paisa will share any and all things they have with their partners, and the partners are get to decide what they do or don't support, usually. Right. We have so. well, let me let me put it this. We have we have no reason to be any less likely to share. <laughs> Abomination Vault's fifth edition yeah. for virtual tabletops. I don't know so, what we're gonna do, but I don't okay. I don't know anything about let's keep it all secret and not share. I mean that does that does I, I think the answer then would be if you want 5e abomination vaults on roll 20, go bang the drum at roll 20's door until they right. give it to you. <laughs> um another question or a comment rather, Zathos of Varicia says, I think it's interesting how there is going to be a set of battle cards released too. Is Abomination Vaults getting battle cards? It sure is. So we also announced that there's going to be a set of Abomination Vaults battle cards, which has art for all of the, it's, it's the way we do our battle cards. They're about yeah. yay big, right? I'm holding up yeah. my fingers on a screen. That's not going to help anybody. Um, They're this big. Just look at the screen five. on your podcast. Exactly. Um, but they are <laughs> with, the, with the image of the monster on the front and all the stats that you need on the back. Um, and what we've done is in with the with the pawn set when we did the abomination vaults pawn set yes. the general sense is we're going to assume you've got other pawns so if you need six mythlet gremlins in order to run abomination vaults and we know you've already got two of them from the bestiary box we're not going to give you all six we're just going to give you four more so That's a lot of mythlets <laughs> there's so many of those evil smurfs um <laughs> <laughs> anyway Gosh. With the Abomination Vaults battle card, we didn't do that. Uh, we don't okay. assume you have any other battle cards. So you will okay. get a Mythlet Gremlin battle card. Uh, this required that we do 
a little bit more art because every battle card has some art on the back. And whereas oh, we, yeah. we, we might have said, for example, um, you know, this is a, this is a named Gug. We could have the Gug art. That's fine. You know, if we happen to have a separate illustration of that Gug, we would, but there's some custom people that we, we didn't have any art for, and we needed to get some either from the pawn set or from the, uh, uh, or order new for this. Uh, you may note that the, uh, let's just say you find a band of performers, right? There yeah. are only, there are only three of the four of them illustrated in the adventure, but we needed a, an illustration of the fourth one well, because I, the fourth one gets, everybody gets their own card. I thought they were all four in the like vignette. Yeah, but we can't turn a vignette into an individual. That requires a lot of work. No, I understand. Um, okay, yeah. A few of them are probably easier to pull out than one of them. So, and I, I no. think I know who probably got missed without having to go back and, and remember and look. But yeah, okay. Yeah, very not, cool. Not not missed anymore. There was a pawn forum. Now there's a battle card forum. Yes. Um, and sometimes I was able to get a new card. There is a, uh, you meet some people who ride around on lizards underground, like pack animals. That's cool. Well, the, the frilled lizard picture that we have looks pretty ominous like it's hissing and it's got its frills out and everything i'm like no it's can we just do an image of one of them that's just like a packing animal it's got like a saddle with a bunch of stuff on it yeah. and so that's the card that we've got for that for example so yeah we've been able to make um a couple of improvements so that when you actually show this is you're you're looking at the the stats on the back of the card you're showing your players here's what the front of the card looks like yeah um it's everything you're going to need for the the abomination vaults. There's, uh, I want to say there's two, 200 of them, um, but you wouldn't need any battle cards other than those. That is so cool. All right. So abomination vaults has a special edition. We have a fifth edition version coming out. Holy cow. We have battle cards. What other special treatments is abomination vaults getting that you can announce? Oh, that's uh well, we've got all the stuff that we still have for the abomination vaults, right? We've got the we got a pawn set for them. You got a pawn set? Um, the individual volumes, if you want to be able to dig deep into the uh some of the lore that we put in the back. Uh there's a couple of monsters in the back of the uh uh individual volumes that because they weren't used in the adventure, we didn't include them. So right. that makes sense. You want a Sugathi reality warper? Well, then you've got to get the individual volume to get. The I actually Sugathi do specifically warper. want a reality warper. I don't know They're how you knew cool. that. <laughs> what I want is a swarm of the. They're not Grothlets. What are they called? They were the ones I created. They were like. The Gibtos, the little bouncy Gibtos. deals. With yeah, the, yeah. The, they uh, like bounce them. around on two big legs, and they're like they're like evil Pac-Man. So this is a. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, they are, and. <laughs> They're just and they're big awesome. balls with giant mouths and two legs, um, and they jump around and bite things. They do. And uh, they have a swarm of baby ones. That's true, but the swarm of them isn't in the adventure. That's true. So no card, battle card for it. But I know, that's very sad. You want you want the swarm of little ones, the stats of the swarm of little ones. Are just, you got to get the individual of all your <sighs> hands of the devil right here. Oh, this, oh is probably, this is probably instructive. When I went through the volumes for the i made a set of no i made notes about everything on oh, every geez. page that needed to change when i was doing the hardcover compilation and i took about i want to say maybe half of these i took out but wow. this is anyway ron, ron you are holding up a book that is just chock full of post-it notes <laughs> three books with post-it notes spilling three out books. of the sides yeah there's there's like there's like a, a Costco size vat of, of post-it notes sticking out of those books. <laughs> That's a lot of notes. 
think uh, the other, th weren't there some uh, pre-painted minis among some of the, the sets here and there that lined up with Abomination Vaults? I think there were some Drow in the Darklands set here there and are, there. There are ones that where the model for the mini was based off art from the AP. Based off of art from the Abomination Vaults. But there isn't a, there isn't an Abomination Vault. So you'd kind of have to bits right. and piece those together, which is sure. good. Like the band doesn't have minis. I don't think so. I don't think any of them do. I, I mean, why could, would they? I bet we could figure out someone who could 3D print, make yeah. make models and 3D print. Do we know anybody that does that? I, <laughs> I don't know anyone who is so into 3D printing that they started a podcast about it. Nobody at all. I think By the other the thing that is a big selling point for the 5e uh, compilation is that you can get it in PDF form when it comes out, which is not a thing that most you know, most 5e books aren't in PDF form. True. That is, oh, that is a good point. Yeah, that's going to be new and weird to 5e players. They're like, wait, I can buy a PDF of this? Yeah. It won't come out on D&D Beyond or you know, right. other things, but. Right. We're not, we're not connected into that, but. Sure. Well, I mean, we're, for the, for this role, we are, you know, third-party publisher doing our own thing the same way right. that uh, any number of other ones that have a lot of uh, really high quality, but nonetheless aren't Wizards of the Coast are doing. Sure, like Rogue Genius Games making something called Scaldwood Blight, like that. They're just a third party making their own adventure path. <laughs> <Just third party. laughs> I think uh, I think we've gone on long enough, waiting to to ask the big question. But I, I think we have to put you on the spot now, Rod. Is um is Paizo dying now? Is this why you're doing the, a five E compilation? That is true. That is oh. that is the rumor. I heard it from several unreliable I, sources. I, I heard on that several you're looking YouTube to, to have wizards buy you out. And proving that, look, we can make 5e stuff, so buy us. Or, or, you know, you're just like, let's convert everything to 5e. Let's do it all. <laughs> not, not, neither of those things are true. And I know people higher up in the uh, the company than, than I am have a lot to say about that. There, you might have some quotes that you can re read from them. <laughs> but, I, I, but I will tell you, okay. I, I personally have no other 5e products that are currently planned on my plate. And I have just, I just had a meeting scheduling Pathfinder second edition products into 2025. Jeez. So we, we are, we are thinking ahead, okay. uh, planning ahead and sticking with Pathfinder second edition. It's a, I mean, it's a game that we love, but there's sort of no game. reason not yeah. to make this sort of exploration the same way that maybe we do this three volume AP Initially, people there were people even then who were like, "Oh, that's a, you know, <laughs> kind of throwing all their games over there." Paizo's done with. They're doing three volume adventure paths now. Right, I mean, it's, it's the same. No, it was a test, and it happened to be a really successful one. This is a test. We hope it's going to be a successful one. We okay. what we hope is that it's going to bring a lot of people who are playing Fifth Edition now yeah. to to Paizo, looking at Paizo, going, "Oh, these people really know how to make a really cool adventure." And the world that they're in is really engaging. And what else have they done? Maybe we should take a look. Maybe. That's very cool. All right. Well, let's hear from some of the big wigs over at Paizo and see what they have to say uh, about, about this fifth edition and how Paizo is doing in regards to it. Luis, do you want to take the first one? Yeah, uh, this is where I wish we could have gone to like a satellite feed and been like, I, oh, here's Jason Bullman. <laughs> that would have been great. No, I mean, but, I wish. Uh, <laughs> Jason Bullman uh, via Twitter a couple of days ago in regards to this whole situation and a, uh, you know, people's response to it mentioned that 
Pathfinder is not in trouble. That doing a 5e version of Abomination Vaults is a chance for 5e folks to check out our world and stories. Pathfinder 2e is doing great, and we're excited to put out more materials for it in the coming years. You just wait. We have so much in store. Now, can you do that again, but in like a, a in imitation of Jason Bullman's mm. voice? We really want to get the let flavor. Me, let me grow an extra like foot tall. Foot and a half, <laughs> yeah. Before I do that. <laughs> Uh, uh, that might, might, that, never mind. That, you work for Paizo. That might not be the best strategy for you. <laughs> Imitating okay, yeah. your boss. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we have another one uh, from Eric Mona, publisher, who uh, is likely the person who decided to do the fifth edition. Uh, on Reddit, he says, I can tell you right now that it's not the start of a long-term plan to abandon 2E. Second edition is popular and selling well. That said, it doesn't sell as well to current people playing, uh, to people currently playing 5th edition, and that's a lot of people. So we're doing this to let people check out our adventure without having to switch systems. That's it. You don't even have to wait to find out the secret plan. <laughs> so, well, that yeah. is the secret plan. One of the, one of the things <laughs> that I like to keep in mind is that we, we think a lot about who are Paizo. We think a lot about who our competitors are. Wizards of the Coast is, yeah. is our competitor. They, but they're, you know, orders of magnitude bigger than we are. Sure. I don't think Wizards of the Coast considers us much of a competitor. I mean, their competitors <laughs> are Blizzard yeah. and Marvel and Disney. And I mean, that's, that's the entertainment space in which they are operating. Right, uh, yeah. I certainly, not only do I, do I not think that this is the kind of thing that they if would would feel threatened by i'm particularly amused by people who think we're trying to show off to them so they would buy us wait that's right that's not that's not how any of this works that's not how any of this works um yeah i think i think it's just a smart move honestly you've already got most of the like work done in terms of you have a story you have adventures it's all planned out the like as you said there are some system differences that david's had to deal with in terms of like too many encounters or it doesn't really work this way or you know whatever it is for fifth edition to make it work so there's some challenges but you know when you have uh all of this all of this good resources that already exist uh, just converting them to another system to widen your audience seems like a pretty natural thing to do. Um, I do think it's a little risky in that 5th edition players are used to things happening a certain way. Uh, they're used to adventures being uh, like less spelled out for them and more sort of, and then there's some undead monsters in this corridor, do whatever you want, <laughs> you know, uh, left up to the GM to fill in the blanks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what their reaction is to an adventure that is a bit more specific in terms of what you can find and who's doing what to whom and how you get there. Yeah, it is a bit more scripted in that one of the things that I've seen in a lot of fifth edition adventures is they'll do like a monster rosters in a dungeon. Like here's all the people and how they might move around and how they... oh, yeah. we expect abomination vaults GMs to do that as you as you see fit. We we would expect abomination vaults DMs to do that as they <laughs> see fit. We're gonna we're gonna tell you right where every monster is and what they're yeah. gonna do when the players arrive. But there's nothing that you, they can move out of the room just sure. fine. We just haven't presented it as sort of an overview roster of here's everybody. Yeah. Now throw them all at the party if you want. Um, yeah, Here, here's a bunch of encounters. They're somewhere on this floor. You get some room descriptions. Have fun. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but I, I'm curious to see how that that difference will play out and how that'll be received. So that's I am, and I'm and I'm a much I'm a, I'm enough of a realist to know an optimistic realist. Um, <laughs> I think that I think it's awesome. 
I mean, I think we're going to put out a product that's awesome, but we're not going to put out a product that's perfect. And I'm, and I'm waiting for the inevitable, oh, can you believe in area A3, they did this and, you know, D&D never does it that way. Oh, Paizo, they don't get D&D. All right, well, understand that this was originally not a D&D product yeah. and it's not Wizards of the Coast. Maybe approach how we've done things with a little bit of a, uh, uh, with a sense that there's going to be a difference. Right. Uh, you know, we might not get it right every single time. That's fine. Just kill off all your characters with the TPK and start again. <laughs> Yikes. I think, I think the, the 5e community might actually have a, a little bit of, uh, well, grant you slack, right? At not just Paizo, but a lot of people who, 5e has got so many third-party uh, companies producing stuff. So they each probably have their own take on things. DMs Guild has so many different authors on it. I'm sure if you are a, a DM or a player that's willing to look beyond official releases, you're probably already kind of used to a variety of different looks and presentations and stuff. So you know what? That might not even be anything that, that rubs anyone the wrong way if they decide to take a look at, at Abomination Vaults 5e. All right. So Abomination Vaults is out. What are you all going to convert to 5e next? Because obviously that's the big secret plan. Oh, that's true. Uh <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't We don't have any plans to convert anything to 5e. Or let me put it this way. Eric was the one that said, hey, let's give this a try in 5e, right? right? I don't, he hasn't told me what to convert. <laughs> I'm not in the process of converting anything to 5e. Right now, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to do my final uh, development pass and copy fit of this Abomination Vaults 5e. I don't have time for any more 5e right now. And and I'm still (laughs) developing the Bloodlords Adventure Path. I've got a lot going on. Oh my gosh, Bloodlords. Hey, you know what? Since we do have you on, uh, I'm just going to ask you really quick. Toss, toss, give us a quick pitch on Bloodlords because that is cool. Oh, this is neat. This is a uh, one through six, or six volume. Uh, First or 20th level campaign that takes place in the nation of Geb, which is ruled by an evil ghost king who is sort of shackled with ennui. And he, in fact, leads his (laughs) his whole nation is run by the group of mostly but not exclusively undead called the Bloodlords. They're mostly but not exclusively necromancers. I mean, there's there's a few living people in there and we forgive them for that. (laughs) That's our there are. And there are a few people who don't know about necromancy, but there's some that have been around for the many thousands of years since Geb became a ghost in the first place. But they sort of run the nation. And the Bloodlord's Adventure Path is about how you, your group, are like these scrappy troubleshooters who uncover sort of this uh, uh, nation-spanning plot, international plot. And in pulling the threads and solving the problems to this plot, you become not just known by these Bloodlords, but you get to on you get you get positions as blood lords uh, mm, partway through the adventure cool. path. You become part of the ruling aristocracy, and you're still trying to uncover who's behind all this and how does it go. It's very intrigue heavy game. So this um, is the the chaotic e, uh, chaotic good rather adventure path, right? That's right. It's not it's not <laughs> even good at all. <laughs> yeah. Super no, this evil. Is, well, we don't. No, this is what what I've tried to do. This is actually a very difficult line to walk. Okay, because. We did Hell's Vengeance where everybody was expected to be evil and it could right. be, go burn down this orphanage. That's just one of the things you're going to do. It's evil. Uh, yeah. We've positioned Blood Lords to be, it's for non-good PCs. Right. So right. yeah, lawful good, neutral good, category. You're going to deal with some super unsavory people and you're going to do some things that are probably 
They, uh, good characters would balk at, but you could play right. neutral characters all the way through. You're never going to be asked, hey, torture this person or burn oh, down yeah. this orphanage. Okay, um, good. But Go kill that it, guy's dog. But it's going to be like, you're, <laughs> don't worry, you know. <laughs> don't worry, he's just a renowned mercenary. He'll be fine. That's right, you'll be okay. Uh, but you're working with and for people who <laughs> eat living people. <laughs> They're not great. <laughs> They're not the best people. Oh. They've got a particular diet exactly uh, okay well i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how that one shakes out uh i don't think i've ever played an evil adventure path i have played the secret evil character in good adventure paths but that is another story um so this is this is really intriguing to me especially because it does have such a different take than hell's vengeance so yep very much so uh, we're coming close to time here and i know that you had to go uh right uh right after and an hour was up do you have anything that you wanted to shout out or uh, to before before we conclude? Yeah, I think that the uh, um, one of the things that I want to emphasize is the mm -hmm. Abomination Vaults is is it's it's kind of a great story no matter how you're playing it, right? I feel like there is a a type of adventure, type of adventure path that is clever in the mechanical execution of it if that makes any sense that it runs great for this one game system but it doesn't otherwise run great outside of it and i think abomination vaults is a real gem because not only does it run really well in pathfinder second edition but the story is strong enough that not only has it hooked people uh to be playing it in that system. I've already heard of a lot of people who are like, oh, I run, I never left Pathfinder first edition, but I bought Abomination Vaults and I'm running it in Pathfinder first edition. I even know of people who've told me, oh, I'm running Abomination Vaults, but I'm running it for 5e. And I'm like, mm, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I can say. Um, <laughs> are you because really? <laughs> because I think that the, uh, the uh, you know, I wanted to tell them, just wait and you'll be, it'll be way easier for you. <laughs> <laughs> rather than converting it because we're doing that but uh uh but anyway it's really inspiring to me to see how many people really love this how many people have embraced the idea that if we're stepping into fifth edition i've had people say this is a great option to do it people who know fifth <laughs> edition really well are like wow the, yeah this is probably the right one for them to test these waters with and see what they think about doing a fifth edition product oh good that's cool did you want to talk about uh, any personal projects that you happen to be working on I can. I've got a, uh, a successfully funded Kickstarter uh, called the Scaldwood Blight. What? First or 20th level Pathfinder 2nd Edition Adventure Path. Uh, this is not set specifically in Galarian. This is set in the, the frozen Northlands. It is the theme of primeval forests filled with fae who are mostly dangerous rather than benevolent. <laughs> and it's Vikings and it's cities that are, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, cities where civilization kind of clusters together and they don't go much further than the farms because that's the dangerous wild lands. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> um, but uh, and then on top of this, you know, a, uh, a big demon lord comes stomping around trying to trying to make a name for himself and a place Oof. for himself and an entry into the world. And the Scaldwood Blight is a campaign about finding out what's going on and putting a stop to him. And along Very the cool. way, there's a ton of other paths of, uh, you know, encountering with uh, Fae that uh, are marauding uh, in a way that they think is harmless, but is significantly harmful. Uh, devil cults and uh, other things that you'll encounter all along the way. Very cool. Uh, it was really fun for me to put together. I actually, uh, I, I already gave it away free in that it was on what? my blog. <laughs> I did a uh, test back in 2019. I remember. I did, 
I did kind of a test of, well, let's see what happens if you build a whole adventure path. And I, what I did was I built the scaffolding of an entire adventure path, kind of chapter at a time. And it was totally not in order. It was in order of whatever I felt like doing that day. Right. Um, but what the Scaldwood Blight does is it takes that scaffolding. It's it's still substantially a scaffolding, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I give you all of the monster stats you're going to need. Uh, flesh out the story just a little bit, but a lot of it is, as you were talking about that fifth edition way, a lot of it is the <laughs> expectation on the GM to be like, okay. oh, well, you know, here here are the here are the uh, the evil fae and a couple of evil druids that are active in this grove. Sure. Go make them active in this grove and have yeah. your players fight them. Here's um, 10 terrible things in this forest that players should fight five of them. Go. Uh, that's right. That's right. right. Um but yeah, so it's, uh, but after adding in a whole bunch of art and maps and uh, all the step blocks, uh, the whole thing kind of uh, 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 ended up being more, I think just over 250 pages. It's huge. Mm -hmm. uh, so our Kickstarter successfully funded. And what we're doing is we're providing a PDF version of it and then a print on demand. Uh, and people at a higher tier will get the books and um i'll sign them and then mail them off to you so you just get the actual book in the mail from me um but the right now where we're at is i've got the final what i think the final pdf file um and i've got uh two copies of the book uh coming one's coming to me it is in the mail right now uh the <laughs> other one is going to uh owen casey stevens so he can take a look without whom i couldn't have done any of this project with this kickstarter his support yeah. was absolutely vital awesome. and he's just so knowledgeable i was just sure. really impressed it was a real privilege to work with him and and take his guidance uh so absolutely as soon as we get one of the first print copies i want him to take i want him to tell me what needs to be better because he just knows this stuff so well yeah um but uh, after that we'll be able to give the pod files and the uh the pdfs to people and get everything so fulfilled cool. i'm excited about that that is really awesome what um, I'm just curious, what made you decide to do a, a Kickstarter for this project? It was Owen's idea, actually, <laughs> okay. as a matter of fact. Uh, he was the one that smart. had some of the experience. He'd run plenty of these. And we have, this is No Direction. <laughs> wait a minute. Who do we have here from the No Direction Network? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. My Hi, John. All righty. <laughs> Yeah, John, go to coming by for the game that I'm uh, going to go jet out to and run. But okay. uh, I, I really appreciate you having me on. And Yeah, uh, thank you for discuss. coming. Thank you so for much sure. for coming. Yeah. Uh, we'll let you go so you can run Abomination Vaults for your own home game, which is awesome. Uh, any last any last parting thoughts? Uh, I am on Twitter sometimes at RPG Ron Lundin. You can find me there. I've also got my own blog that I do at my uh, third-party website, Run Amuck Games. Uh, runamontgames.com. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the, the show today, uh, Run, and go have a, a wonderful session. I will. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Uh, Thanks, now, Ron. a quick word from our sponsors Kobolds are clever and mischievous. But have you ever thought of them as cuddling? Well, you will after you see the gallant goblins kobold plushies. Coming to Kickstarter on April 12th, which is just around the corner, there are six color and class combos planned with swappable accessories and clothing to fit your perfect adventuring party. Sign up for the Kickstarter today at koboldplush.com to get a free bonus digital one-shot when you back the product. That's koboldplush.com. Oh gosh, that was a delight to hear. All right. <laughs> oh.
We still have I just wanted to hear Hi. that. I just still wanted to hear that commercial. It was a delight. The cake is so cute. I have an unexpected guest who's still here. All righty, I'm off. I'm off. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. All right. Um, well, I guess we should get to, to the news. Oh, no, that means I have to do Goblin Voice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Pathfinder News. Pathfinder News. Pathfinder News. Pathfinder News. <laughs> we have some really cool things to talk about today. Sure do. Uh well, I think the first big thing is, hey, yeah. Abominations Vaults is coming to 5e. Well, hey, well, obvious. <laughs> we just did a whole show on that, Louis. Whole show on it, but that was one of the big announcements from the last that two is, weeks. Here. That is one of the big ones. But you yeah. have another one that I think is, is yeah, I'm going to yeah. say, equally big. I think it's much bigger. I I find it much <laughs> more exciting and more important than, <laughs> than a dungeon crawl that I will never get to play because I'm always a GM. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but um, another thing is, hey, we mentioned there's the Blood Lords AP coming. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's set in, in Geb. And Book of the Dead is coming, which is talking a lot about Geb and stuff. Okay. And Knights of Last Wall is coming, which is talking about the Knights and they face Geb. And there's a lot of stuff going on around Geb. So why not just keep that, that <laughs> Geb train going and uh, yep, yep, let's yep, have yep. Lost Omens go check out the Impossible Lands. What? Which, which is the meta region in uh, the inner sea <laughs> that includes a little nation called Geb. It can't be. That's it, impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> the never before ever mentioned uh, Lost Omens Impossible Lands has uh, just been announced. Um, and it's 344 pages, I believe. Wow. Is what it says. That is a it, multiple of 16. That um, sure is. And it's covering <laughs> four great regions of the, of the inner sea. It's covering Next. It's covering Geb. It's covering Jamare. And the mana waste, and it's gonna. That is so cool. You know, it's it's if you remember Wangi Expands, we're giving you the same treatment uh, there with Ooh, okay. uh, ancestries and and cities and other options and stuff. And this time around, I know that we we worked really hard with our design team to make sure we cram in a lot of extra rules for you beyond this just ancestry. So there's there's other stuff going on uh, there. Okay. So. So it's question. It's going to be great. Question, question, <laughs> since, since you worked on it. Um, yeah. So uh, how useful will the Lost Omens Impossible Lands book be if I'm running Outlaws of Alkenstar? It'll help. Yeah, it's, it's going to give okay. you, like, none of the APs ever rely on any of the, the, sure. the Lost Omen books. But right. you're always going to have more ideas and more options, and you're going to get character backgrounds and well, it just gives you like context, right? Context say, and give you extra stuff to, to play with if, if okay. you're, you're working on stuff. And then, you know, maybe cool monsters or, or pictures of like locations and NPCs right. and stuff that might not show up in, in other cases. So it's just supplemental material. But if you're not doing an AP, it hopefully is inspiring enough <laughs> that you'll want to do your own adventures or campaigns in the impossible lands. Yeah, I, I think that the whole next Geb conflict is very interesting. Mm-hmm. The abomination, uh, excuse me, the, what did we just talk about? The mana waste that it created in the wars that they had is really kind of an interesting place to go. And like where Alkenstar came and how it grew out of that. Um, I just, I just find the whole region just, I don't know, intriguing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. It is, it is one of the books I have not contributed to. Yeah. So you'll be completely uh, fresh eyes when you're going in on it. 
It's going to be good. I don't, I'm not sitting there going, well, I know the one section I wrote and I remember the outline. No, no, I have no idea. It's going to be very cool. So we got a, a lot of great people working on it. And it's, <laughs> I mean, still in production right now, but it, it will be the third book for the year. Um, I think that might be all we have for this year in terms of Lost Omens, because we, we kind of slotted in the first quarter as that. That's going to, Absalom is kind of eating that section and oh i see epsilon has come and gone um it just kind of came out a little earlier than that so you sure. look forward to Knights of last wall travel guide i was and gonna say you have possible. Knights of last wall yeah i'm really looking forward to Knights of last wall uh i am very interested at the moment in the uh knights of ozum uh mm-hmm. and <clears throat> all of the the situation up there so i'm i'm really interested to see uh what has developed since a uh, second edition i know that there's been a lot of changes up there what with the whispering tyrant being back and all um so i, I want to see that one that is another one that i haven't i didn't partake in so i will be completely unspoiled when i crack the spine so that'll be mm-hmm. cool uh another big news that came out is the outlaws of alkenstar players guide is now out which is pretty darn cool it's it's a rootin tootin good time uh, and i must say i i wrote the first book called punks in a powder keg and i'm super excited about it because is is it is so over the top um <laughs> With as much as like Abomination Vaults, my portion was all sandboxy and like there's stuff going on and the players kind of do whatever. Uh, Punks in a Powder Keg is a bit more on the rails. It's a bit more of like, quick, quick, go to the next place. There's things happening. Um, but also it is just a, it is, it is over the top. Um, if, you, if you ever saw Wild Wild West with Will Smith and thought, I wish that was a role-playing game, that is the sort of flavor that you will get <laughs> with this adventure path. And it's very cool. Mm-hmm. I, I checked out the player's guide. So player's guides are always done by the developer in charge of yep. the AP and they're written after the fact, right? So there, there's never a chance for me to peek in early <laughs> and be like, oh, what's going to be in this player's guide? I usually just like, oh, when they come out, I, yep. I'll learn alongside everyone else. And this time around, there, there's some kind of new tech, if you will, in the player's guide that I think oh, is really cool in the, in the form of the, there's this nice table that kind of gives you a quick rundown of suggested skills that will show up more in terms of like, what's going to be good for recalling knowledge or helping stuff or suggested ancestries and stuff like that. And yes. I think it's great. It's, it's, it's a great new development that Patrick came up with. And, and it's brilliant. It's actually, it's brilliant. It is so good. So many people on the forums and everywhere right. I turn is like, this is the best, please make this the gold standard going forward because right. I can just imagine like, yeah, it's useful to read these big paragraphs and be like, well, I was going to play a paladin or, you know, some sort of champion. And it's like, eh, maybe not play a champion. Um, but the the table kind of refreshes all that information. Or if you're, you know, one of those TLDR folks, you can just see the table and be like, oh, champion might not be the best fit for this one. Maybe um, for some reason, don't take nature, uh, which I think just means there's not like problems to be solved by na- yeah, na- nature yeah. or like medicine is the big one. That's like there's not like problems to be solved by medicine. That was what I was thinking about medicine and occultism. And it's like, well. Well, medicine is still a great way to heal, but like it's, yes. it's not going to open any doors for you that would no. un- un- otherwise be closed. The adventure probably won't have 50 different asks for go give a DC 20 medicine check. It's probably giving you more craft checks and, and you know, yeah. stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, but it, it is out. It is very cool. I am so excited uh, for people to get their hands on it. Uh, the actual adventure path releases later this month. So maybe we can talk more in depth about it in the shout outs in a couple of weeks, uh, definitely mm-hmm. in four weeks. So we'll talk about it then. That is cool. I think, do you have any other news or just shout yes. outs? Uh, oh, it's, good. It's not like 
enormous news, but I always look forward to it, um, is is the April Fool's blog for the oh year. Oh my gosh. Uh, the You Look Fly, You Fools. <laughs> yes, You Look uh, Fly, blog, You Fools. Which is oh just a God. bunch of magic <laughs> items, both for Starfinder and Pathfinder, uh, made by Paizo staff to be pretty silly. Paizo, I think, thanks to the help of James Case, has actually done the work of, of corralling all of these in the last couple of years has been more about let's give you silly things as opposed to fake product announcements right and be jokey and, and, and goofy and fun which i think is usually a better way to go about it because then if you want you can use these uh, last couple of years were some some goofy monsters and this year we get magic items with some wonderful wonderful art by eleanor farron uh, which oh i'm sorry it, including ovazaya with a cannon coming out of her mouth oh i know uh, and here's the best part. Uh, so based on the community, you community use rules and Pathfinder Infinite's rules, any non photography art that shows up and like, there's a couple other caveats, but essentially art that Paizo has and produces and puts on the blog is usable for community use is usable for Pathfinder Infinite products, which includes all the silly stuff that Eleanor for undid for this. If you want to use Obazaya with a cannon coming out of her mouth in some products yeah <laughs> you can you could you could take the the idea here with the head cannon which is what that picture is depicting <laughs> yes and make cannon. a whole you know 10 page pdf of a bunch of different cannons or, or guns that come out of people's mouth oh my gosh uh, and and you know that's your cover piece right there is over with the, with the head cannon how is it not that is too funny um, actually, that seems like an evolutionist thing to me. You're like, oh, and here sure. is my weapon. I have a cannon that comes out of my throat. I just have to unhinge my jaw to get it out there. Mm -hmm. um, Dustin in chat, uh, Dustin Knight in chat says infinite augmentations. Yeah, not not bad. Uh, and also points out that No Direction had its own slew of April Fool's jokes. Uh, if you are curious, including his uh, optimizer class, which, you know, of course, is the very best class because mm -hmm. it is the optimizer. And this isn't Paizo news, but I, I think it's still worthy. Um, sure. Okay. You know, we had friend of the show, Mark Seifter, on last episode. What? And he had his uh, big release of his, his new Dragon Ancestry finally come out last week. So yes. if you want to play as dragons in Pathfinder 2E, you have your choice of 40 odd different hair. 45! <laughs> 45 ancestries! Uh, it's, it's 100 and what 36 page book of just dragons and dragon archetypes and dragon feats and dragon background information it's great i, I think it's worth checking out it is mind-boggling <laughs> you're like well what about yeah no that dragon too there's a bunch <laughs> of dragons in there you probably haven't even heard of there's there's yeah. one designed by Ginny d there's so much dragons in there it's 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 a lot but then you were saying for for april fools yes for april fools he he also went the silly route and if you have dragons, you got to have a dungeon and you can also pick up a playable dungeon ancestry. You can be a living dungeon, which I am not surprised at all that Mark makes this work because he just goes in on, on things like fully committed, gives mm -hmm. gives it to you, you know, plays it straight entirely. And it's great. I, it definitely is a product. I, I, it's great to see it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. All right. I think that's it for news. Mm -hmm. So we'll go to wrap ups and shout outs. Sure. Uh, there's a 
couple shout outs. Uh, I'm going to start with one going back to Outlaws of Alkenstar. Uh, recall knowledge, friends of the show uh, have a an actual play that is doing Outlaws of Alkenstar. And what's really cool is they've already begun, mm-hmm. but it's not out yet. How can that be? I hear you cry. Um, they're doing an episode zero adventure. They're actually doing like the prequel adventure. And if you've read the player's guide, so I'm not spoiling anything. If you've read the player's guide, you know that all of the player characters start as outlaws and have a grudge. I Possibly, possibly they're like outlaws uh, and deserve it. And maybe they were framed. Who knows? You decide. You're the player. Uh, but there are uh, basically two different people, two different major characters in the adventure path that um, they have a specific grudge against. They're like, you know, partners in crime and they have gotten you in trouble and you don't like them. And so that's sort of the setup for this adventure path. And so Recall Knowledge is playing through the backstory and the grudge that the four players have against these two individuals. And I think that it's really cool. Um, I got a chance to listen to the beginning of it. Uh, super high quality production value at Recall Knowledge um, with DM Steve. It's, it's very cool. Anyway, I'm excited about it. Yeah. What do you got? I, I, I'm always excited to hear people play my adventures. Oh, I know. Uh, it, it, especially because the first couple of adventure paths that I wrote were like volume five and volume six. So I had to wait for people to get through entire campaigns. Oh my god! Or they get to my yeah. adventure. But then I did Ruby Phoenix, and that was the first one. It's like aha, yep. finally. I'm like uh, that with a few places. I'm like, where are you at? And they're like, we're still in the first book. I'm like, okay, I'm on book two, so it's fine. Just I'll mm-hmm. come back. I'll come back yeah. later. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I think I want to shout out. Uh, it's not a Pathfinder, not Paisa related thing. That's okay. But, um, I'm going to shout out a movie that I caught this last weekend um, called Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's a movie starring Michelle Yeoh, who you might know from. She's kind of everything. Action, she's yeah, action star. She's on. Uh, <laughs> she was on Star Trek Discovery. I don't know if she's still on that show. No, uh, they were supposed to do a spinoff, a Section Thirty One yeah. spinoff, whatever. She was Shang Chi's aunt in the Shang Chi movie. She, she's great. Anyway, uh, this whole movie. The quick rundown is that hey, it turns out the multiverse is real, and Michelle Yeoh's character Evelyn uh, is the only one that could potentially save the 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 multiverse from the big threat that's happening and the way she does that is by tapping into all her alternate versions and grabbing their powers so there's one version that knows martial arts really well and she can tap in and then suddenly she can do martial arts and it's super duper zany and exciting and and, and action-packed and also like sentimental it's, it's it's really hard to explain so i think if you're into michelle yo kicking butt and also the multiverse and it being goofy um i'd say check it out it turns out that that movie isn't even out yet living in seattle means i am a select city when it's playing in select cities okay (laughs) um so it's coming out this weekend go check it out i think it's it's worth worth doing um so yeah that's my thing i love michelle yo and 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 it's great i i watched it with um, a couple friends and i think i just can't stop thinking about it (laughs) all right very cool um, yeah, I definitely want to see that because I am a huge Michelle Yeoh fan. Uh, my wife is as well. So all I have to do is be like, so there's this movie with Michelle Yeoh. And she's like, yeah, we're going. We're going to go mm-hmm. see it. Uh, so that's another problem. I will definitely see that. Uh, more shout outs. Uh, uh, oh, personal one. 
Uh, Vellum and Lace episode five just released a few days ago, uh, a little bit late on the, on the March release, uh, but it is called Ill Prepared. So it mm. is, um, if you're, if you're keeping up with the story, uh, it is essentially our first like actual adventure uh, in the narrative form. And you can see how they succeed or not and what they do and how it goes. Uh, it definitely harkened back to like Pathfinder first edition uh, PFS days where they would have a very sandboxy adventure that's like, go break into this facility and get a thing. And then the player characters would come up with all sorts of wild ideas. And you're like, literally, you can just bribe the guards, but okay. And they're like, no, we're going to do this stuff. And it's like overcomplicated plans. Uh, so I kind of pulled a lot of inspiration from that. So I think you'll really enjoy it. But uh, go check that out on Pathfinder Infinite. Um, Bellman Lace, episode five. Mm-hmm. Cool. I had something else and I, my mind blanked because I got really excited about Bellman Lace. I, I mean, I don't have any other shout outs. So maybe we can <clears throat> a shout out to uh, where people can chat with us. What? Yeah. You heard <laughs> so- of this thing called Discord? All the kids are on it these days. Discord? That uh, that sounds noisy. Um, so <laughs> if you are enjoying No Direction and you want to chat with us some more, you can join us on Discord. Uh, you can find the link on our website, nodirectionpodcast.com, and click on the Discord link and join us. Uh, it is the chillest, coolest place to talk about Pathfinder and Starfinder stuff. There is a bunch of different channels, depending on what topic you want to do, including looking for group. If you're like, wait a second, I am preparing my fifth edition Abomination Vaults group now. Uh, You're allowed to talk fifth edition. That's like, we're not, we're not Mm -hmm. system snobs. We're very friendly. Um, But yeah, come hang out with us. And uh, if you are a Patreon, if you're a patron of the show on Patreon of, uh, of No Direction, you can join us after the show in the Patreon's private sanctuary. Which is pretty cool. What is, you tell them, Luis, you tell them. Uh, Patreon's private sanctum is the after party, as I've been told, I think is is the way we always pitch it. It's the after party. Uh, just it a few is. minutes after the show is done, we will be hopping onto our Discord in the very special private sanctum section of the Discord, hopping onto the channel there. And you can chat with us. You can ask us questions. And you, as patrons, get to kind of dictate what we talk about or what you want to hear us talk about. And, and you kind of, have us uh to imagine sitting at a couch at a con have us to to chat with for for half an hour or so after every episode and you know if you miss it yeah you can always catch it again later on on the patreon yeah the cool kids club zathos of a serious says that's except with c's um and also like if uh yeah if you come and hang out we all answer whatever questions we are not allowed to leave they don't let us we're strapped down and you are holding uh, a, a sledgehammer. I mean, never mind. That's not that bad. No, it's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. And anything you want to know, we talk about all sorts of random stuff in there. It's really fun. And if you want to catch up on these, and you're like, "What? There's a hang with Vanessa and Louise after?" Uh, yeah, um, you can become a patron, and we actually record and put those all on the Patreon site. So you should do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. Well, I think that is all the things. Yeah. So without further ado, if you need to find the path. You need no direction.